Well, hello, Portview Church. Kind of an odd thing we have going on here right now. You don't know this, but we have a handful of people. We can only have a very small group. So it's basically the people who are leading worship and our support people that um, are helping us to put this service together. And so someone could even ask this question, why are we doing this? When there's a whole bunch of other professionally made, really good, Christian-based um, church services that anybody could uh, listen to or watch, um, why would we as Portview Church put this together? Well, it's for a really important reason. Um, we're family. You know, we are, a, a church is a family, and we're in this unprecedented time of that the world has never seen before, America's never seen before, where the, we are being told we can't gather in groups bigger than 10. And uh, for the foreseeable future, it might be weeks, it might be months that we can't be together. And we have no idea what tomorrow holds. We do know this. We know who holds tomorrow. We know the Lord holds tomorrow in his hands. And so um, what we want to provide during this period of time is a sense of normalcy. That um, one thing that's part of most of our lives is, is coming together at Portview Church, seeing people you love and um, drinking coffee and, and spending time together. Well, we can't do part of that, but we can do some of it. We can get together and we can, as a worship team, we can sing, um, we can come and, and we're going to go right along in a minute with our, our normal series that we are going to be starting right now anyways. And I think it's really, you're going to see in a minute, it's pretty amazing because um, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about community. And it's a series that's been planned for the last three months. And we really felt that we were going to carry on with it. But the reason we're doing this today, um, and we're going to be doing it throughout the duration, however the duration stays, if it's two weeks, if it's four weeks, if it's ten weeks, whatever, the reason we're going to do this is so that, so that we stay connected to each other. And there's this, this commonality, this, this common thing that we have that brings stability um, for us, that offers stability in the midst of what might be chaotic around us in our culture. And so we're going to have a normal church service, as normal as it can be with, with empty pews, pretty much empty pews, um, but full hearts, <laughs> but empty pews. Um, can I tell you something funny? Because I usually always say funny stuff. I didn't plan on saying this. But today, um, we've been working on actually for the whole week, and how do we do this? How do we put this all together? And so the worship team has had to restructure. And we've had to change some things about how it would, be, how it would sound streaming. And so today, in final preparations, we had to work on the worship team and, and readjusting how things work. And they had to bring me in for something. They made me the drummer. And... Um, it was really bad. Um, they literally, Suzanne and Mitch would say, like, Mark, no, beat, beat, beat. And I learned after five seconds, everybody makes jokes about drummers. Don't make jokes about drummers. It's way harder than it looks. And so, um, so today, as this evening, as we were, because we're, we're filming this actually in the evening, um, that, um, that as we were putting this together, um, I was watching... Josh drum, and I'm like, that's way harder than it looks. I was just trying to do one thing at a time. I can't imagine doing one thing with your foot and one thing with this hand and one thing with this hand and keeping all the same beats, but it was pathetic today. I was being laughed at. Can you imagine that? I was being laughed at by people who say they love me. Um, but anyways, it was all for a good cause, and uh, um, I'm hoping, I hope that you've been already enjoying this sense of normalcy that we're providing uh, today. And so I want to tell you a couple of things um, before or as we, as we just process through. Um, one of the things that normally at this time in the church service, what would we be t doing? We'd be taking an offering at this time. And I'd be talking about giving your first and your best. And, and we understand something. We understand that, that things could be changing going forward. We don't know about jobs. We don't know what's going on you know, right, with, with people. But, but we just want you to know this. Um, that obviously the church continues to have its same needs it always has. It has to still pay the exact same bills. And if, you know, your, if your financial situation is not compromised, um, you know, um, still continue to contribute to Portview. And it says on the screen how you can do that. We've always put that up every single week. So, you know, you, could, uh, you can give online. We have an app you can give on. You could drop a check off at the church during normal business hours, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3. This is in no way trying to pressure somebody. I'm just saying, um, let's, rem let's remember this. Be open to what the Lord would have you do during this time so we can just keep the church going and that when this thing is over, um, we're not trying to dig out of a hole. And so let's just leave it with that. So we give God our first and our best in everything. 
We're giving them our first and the best right now as we're trying to put on a, a service uh, for all of us uh, to, to stay centered and grounded in. also want to make a few announcements to you. It might seem kind of strange because we're not meeting, but there are announcements that need to be made. Um, first of all, as of right now, there are no, no services at all going on at the church. Obviously, we can't have more than 10 people, so no small groups, no nothing, no Wednesday night classes, um, nothing um, for sure till March 25th, which is next Sunday and the Wednesday after. Odds are, friends, it's going to go a lot longer than that. Um, that was our original date. They're saying two weeks, um, but we will see and we'll do our best constantly releasing videos to you and, vi- and digital content, just keeping you abreast of, of what's going on, what we're being told from our denomination as well as from um, our local authorities, what we can and can't do. So, so as of right now, obviously no longer anything going on here. But the staff will be here normal business hours. Um, you know, we still have to produce things. Matter of fact, I would say this. We've actually worked a lot more hours in the last week than we normally do um, because we're trying to figure out what do we do um, during this period of time. And so we'll be around the church. We're always here to pray with you, to, to listen, to, to help. And if you have needs, let us know. You know, we'll do our best to try to, to, try to help. Um, obviously, another announcement to be, that you'd be aware of, a few of girls that were planning on going to the girls' sleepover March 27th and 28th. Um, unfortunately, that's postponed. We're not saying canceled, postponed until we're allowed to meet back together. Um, some people have been contacting the church on another issue about the Good Friday experience, saying, well, what about middle of April? Is that going to go on? Well, we don't know. So what we have done is we've discontinued our advertisement through the newspaper and different avenues, so we're not advertising the event. Our hope is everything's clear by then, and we can go on with the event as planned, but we don't know. So as of right now, some of you said, hey, I got cards, I want to mail them out to friends and family. You know, just hold off on that right now, because we have absolutely no idea if we're going to be allowed to do that. And one more thing before we look at the Word of God together. <clears throat> it's the month, of, or it's the month, it's the season of Lent. And what we are doing every service is we have been having communion during, during the Lent season. And I, and I really think as long as this lasts, we're going to continue to do that. I think it's an incredible way to bond us together. Even if we're separated by miles, we're going to do that together. And so um, what I'm encouraging you to do, if you haven't already, because there was some video content put out to remind you about this, um, is that you would get, um, in the next few minutes, somebody get up, leave your easy chair, go to the kitchen, and get some bread and some juice. And put it on the table and wait, because at the end of the service, uh, we are going to celebrate communion together. And I can't think of a better way to keep us bonded together than to, than to celebrate the thing that joins us all together, the, uh, the um, life, death, and resurrection of Christ and all the promises that are made in that. And we think about that. You know, the church has been doing communion for 2,000 years. The world has gone through this stuff before, and the church has thrived in these times. Matter of fact, do you understand that the early church, and I shouldn't preach before I'm going to preach, but I'm going to tell you this, the early church, um, the thing that established the early church historically was how it responded to the plagues and to great adversity in the world, that the rest of the world couldn't understand how Christians had peace and actually were helpful, and oftentimes at their own expense, were helping other people in the world during difficult times. So this is going to be a time for the church of Jesus Christ to shine. I really believe that. So, um, so communion reminds us of that. It reminds us that for 2,000 years, whatever's come around the world, the church has, has gone right through it in the grace and the power of Jesus. So at the end of our time together, we're going to celebrate communion together. So... Today what we're going to do is we are going to begin a three-week series on why I love my church. You know, every year, if you've been with us for a while, every year we spend one to four weeks talking about why I love my church. And um, you've had buttons like this, you've wore t-shirts, we've had all kinds of things. If you were going to be here, so when you get back, if you were here today, we actually had window decals made this year's, that's our thing, um, I, hashtag I heart Portview Church. Um, that, that you'll get when you get back. You are going to get them today if you're in church uh, this Sunday, but that'll be for another time. But we love our church, and we're going to spend um, three weeks um, talking about that. And the way we're going to introduce what I want to talk about today is we, I, I brought some, some guests from the past that are incredible theologians, and they're going to take about 90 seconds and, and introduce our spiritual 
concept for today. So, so let's, let's pay attention. Let's listen to this for the next 90 seconds. Probably never thought of the Three Dog Night as uh, great theologians. Um, most of you, I think, probably know that song. Some of you are younger have never heard of that song before. But, um, but it, is a, it is a song that says something significant about what we want to talk about. Um, that one is the loneliest number, that it is no fun to go through life alone. And I would tell you this, it's not God's plan for you to go through life alone. That God has something better for you, God has something better for me than loneliness, and what he has is Christian community. That God created mankind to live and thrive in community. That God created us to live in relationship with other people. And this relational aspect of mankind is the outflow of our being created in the image of God. God is at his core relational. What is, what is God? If we have to describe God, the way, we, the way the Bible describes God to us is God is Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're living in perfect, loving, eternal, joyous relationship. That when you say, who is God, what is God, the word that really describes God is relationship, and as image bearers of God, as icons, and that's what we are. The, the, the word the Bible uses that we use to describe um, ourselves as icons, that we are a little image bearer, a little representative of God, and we most reflect the goodness and the glory of God when we are living in healthy, loving, joyous community. And that's what Portview was supposed to be. That's what we always have been, and right now, in a digital sense, we're going to continue to be, and someday, very near future, we're going to be back to being, as we're back to hugging and drinking coffee and doing all those things, that we are community. But in this meantime, we're still community. Hopefully, you're not alone watching this video. Hopefully, up to 10 of your closest friends and family members, um, part of your connect group, whatever, is together, because Portview, God's plan for Portview is to be a place where loving Christian community thrives, that we are to be a place to belong. And that's kind of the idea we have for these three weeks, that we are a place to belong. Now, the way that we at Portview have been saying this um, on how, we're away, how we are people to, to belong to one another is that we have these five purposes, and one of our primary purposes is stated like this, that we are, our purpose is to connect authentically with people in God's family. 
And this, this purpose is one of the five main reasons why we exist. And we have an image that helps us to remember our five purposes. And you guys know who that is and what it is. It's, it's Port View Pete. And this is Port View Pete. Been around for a couple of years. This is Pete 2.0 because Pete has a heart where at first he didn't have a heart. But this describes in a visual manner the reason that we as Port View Church exist. And it starts with the heart, and the heart of Portview, if you were all here right now, if I said out loud, Portview Church, who are you? Say it out loud, who are you? We're people who care. That's what you'd be saying. That's what you're saying in your living room right now. You're saying we're people who care. That's the heart of who we are, and everything from that we do here flows from that heart. Because we are, we are people who care, people filled with the love of God, that then expresses itself in love towards other people, that our heart is where people who care, and as a result of that, the outflow of it is that we have five dimensions of activity that we engage in, and that's what Port Few Pete represents, that we, first of all, worship God with our lives, then we connect authentically with people in God's family, and that's what we're going to talk about today and for the next two weeks following. Then we reach seekers, we help people who don't yet know Jesus come to find Jesus. Then we grow in Christ's likeness, that's our whole transformation program, the triangle of change, we do that around here. And then we serve with the love of Christ. And so that's, that's who we are. And, and this year for our I Love My Church series, instead of looking at all five, and we really, it was interesting, we felt compelled to do this months ago to just focus on one of the areas that we think is critical um, in, for our church and for our culture as a whole today. Um, and the critical culture that we, what we're going to talk about today, what's critical to our culture, and especially in light of this last week, is Christian community. It's connecting to others in God's family. It's belonging. And we're going to take a different look at a different dimensions of this over the next couple of weeks. And I really tell you this, um, you don't, I don't think you want to miss any of them. And you're going to have the option to listen to it whenever you want, but you don't want to miss it because I think we're going to talk about community in a way that maybe you haven't thought of. There were, today we're going to talk about the blessing of community. Next week, we're going to talk about the transforming power of community. And next week is going to be, is going to be phenomenal. We're going to do something. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but something, I was going to do something in church publicly that I've never done in, in 30 years as a pastor. And we're still going to do it next week. Um, and so we're going to do that next week, the power, the transforming power of community. And the week after, we're going to talk about how community, Christian community, can change the world. And so um, what we want as a church, as we're thinking today about this dimension of community, we want to be a place where loving Christian community thrives. Because you see, that's God's plan. And I want to show you that. Um, I'm hoping you have a Bible with you. If you have a Bible somewhere, go run across the room and grab it from your, behind your couch or wherever it is. Um, turn on your phone, turn on your iPad, and open with me to Acts chapter 2. Now, this is the section of Scripture that we normally go to when we're talking about um, Port View Pete. Matter of fact, it's a section of Scripture we get our five purposes out of. And what we're going to do something a little different today with Acts chapter 2. Um, open it up, and what I want you to do is I'm going to read verses 42 to 47 in a minute. But I want you to try to experience something as I read. So I'm going to read these verses, and I want you to try to feel for what the Holy Spirit is communicating about the church. In this particular, he's talking about that very early church, the very first church, um, but his church. I want There's a sense of a feeling that is conveyed um, through this section of, t- of scriptures about what the early church experienced when they were together. So don't so much pay attention to the things they did. That's where we get the five things out of, and we always spend time looking at that, and that's super important. But today, I, instead, I kind of want you to back up, and I want you to try to feel the overarching sense that the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate about, about um, community through these verses. So starting in verse 42, let me read. It says, They, and these are these brand new converts, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So as we read through that, I want you to think to yourself, what kind of feeling do you feel? What's the gist of what you feel? It says specifically some feeling words. It says, as they were gathered together, there was a sense of awe and wonder. But as it then goes beyond that and talks about what's all going on, that we see things they do, and there had to be a motivation, a feeling behind what they do. It says that they, that they um, were generous towards another, that they, so they must have had a feeling of love towards one another. They were helping one another. Some people were actually selling their possessions to help other people. So there had to be this incredible sense of care and love for the other people in the church community. Um, it says they went from house to house together and the temple, and it says they did it every single day. So if you're going to do something every single day with a group of people, it kind of says something about how you feel about those people. You, they obviously liked to be together because they not only met in the temple, but they met in homes. It says they ate together, and it describes words. It says they didn't eat. It doesn't say they ate together and they begrudgingly um, didn't say a word and didn't, you know, didn't talk while they eat. It says that they ate together with gladness. They were happy and sincerity of heart. So they were, they were genuine with one another. They were joyful and genuine in their love for their Christian community. It says they were praising God together, what we, like we just did. They were praising God together. So they had this communal passion for Godding. So what I hope is happening is you get the sense of a feeling that they were experiencing as they came together as a community. See, they were overjoyed by what God had done for them, and that spilled over into the relationships that they had with others who had been set free in Jesus that there was this great experience of joy and love and caring and goodness that saturated their Christian community. And look what it says the result was of that. In the last, in the last part of verse 47b, it says, as, as the last half, it says, and when this happened, God was adding to their number those who were being saved. So what happened? As they were experiencing this loving community, other people saw it and wanted what they had. And they came to understand that what they had was because of Jesus. So they joined with them and they began to join in following Jesus. So loving, joyous Christian community results in people coming to know Jesus. And that's, that's not only said here, that's expressed elsewhere in Scripture. I think one of the most amazing Scriptures and the most powerful Scriptures in all the Bible is that, is that elsewhere in Scripture it says, and they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. That the world sees the reality of God as we love each other. That loving community reveals the reality of Jesus. And church, we need to understand this. We need to understand when Jesus ascended into heaven and all the community watched him go, what he gave us when he ascended was a community. What he left for humanity to change the world was a community of people. He left a community of people who were filled with his spirit and knew that 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 was their community that would then change the world. And friends, it's still the same today. God's plan is for us to live in loving, joyous Christian community. And as a result of that, our community, what we have, will be infectious and contagious and other people will want it. I think especially during the time we're in right now, as the world will, will understand and see that, that we love each other and care for each other. I had something happen right before I walked in the door here. Um, I was actually online. I was tied up, and, and as the worship team was preparing, I was in my office, and a car pulled in the parking lot and got my attention. He was saying, person was saying, come to the door. And I'm like, no, I can't come to the door. I'm online. And they said, come to the door. So I, in the middle of my class, I ran to the door, and I said, I'm, in, I'm online in a class. And the person handed me an envelope. And on the outside of the envelope, it said, this is for whomever needs it. And it was an envelope full of money. And it said it was a member of our church that just came by. The church is normally closed at this time. Came by, dropped off an envelope, and said in the next days, it was written in the outside, and the family and all the, their kids signed the envelope. And they dropped it off to the church and said, somebody's going to need help in the next little while. Here's something to start helping. 
you know, that's what the world will see, that we love each other, and in community, we bless each other. So let's talk about why this, some, some practical, real reasons why community is so important, why it is such a blessing, and why a person misses out so much when they keep from community. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of one another. It says it for a reason, not because God's a prude, because God knows you're missing something if you're not part of a community of, of Christ in a local church setting with a group of people. So why, why are people, what's the blessing? What are some of the blessings um, and realities, the goodness that comes from community? I want to talk about a couple of them. The first one is this. Community is the place that you experience love, joy, comfort, and acceptance in the world. It is the most important place that God intends for you to experience love, joy, comfort, and acceptance. When the Holy Spirit wanted us to see how the early church experiences goodness, he revealed it through community. And that's what we just read in Acts 2. He said, I want to show you how people had this wonderful time of eating together and loving each other and having all these good feelings about it and celebrating in such a great way that other people wanted what they have. And he said, how did it happen? Through community. You know, it's a lie. And hear me today. It is a lie of postmodern Western American thinking that elevates individualism above community. See, yes, we are individuals, but we are intended as individuals to be joined together in community. That's why when the Apostle Paul tried to explain Christianity, he tried to say, what is Christianity like? He used the metaphor of a body. He says, one is a hand, and, and one is an ear, and one is an eye. And he's saying this, you're a body, you're, you're a community, and each one is vital, and each one is interdependent, and each one is essential. But I really think that in the culture we live in, and I think it's getting more and more this way, that we are beginning at times to believe a lie, that I can just choose whether or not, as an individualistic person, choose whether or not I want to be part of the body that I might be an eye, but I just don't really want to be part of a body. I don't want to belong, and I don't want to see. So what happens if, if, we, if we think like that? Well, first of all, what's the result? The body is blind. The body doesn't see what it's supposed to see if all the parts aren't functioning. So if we don't have an eye, we can't see. And so that's a, that's a hard thing for the body. But what else? Another result of it is that a, you, if, if you're a person who's intended to be the eye, and you're not really integral part of the body, you're not really engaged in fellowshipping, fellowshipping, you don't get the joy of seeing for the body. That you don't get the joy of fulfilling the very most essential reason God created you, is he made you who you are, he gave you unique gifts to be part of a body, and if, you, if you're not part of that, the very joy you were created to experience by using who you are and being who you are, you don't get. So what happens? Your life is limited and unfulfilled according to the goodness and the fulfillment that God originally and, and still continually wants for each and every one of us. That's why so many people in our culture, maybe not around the whole world, but for sure in, in Ozaki County in the area around here, so many people have full bank accounts and busy schedules but empty souls. Now, maybe God is just allowing, I'll see if we can use this situation one right now for people to say that, guess what? Full bank accounts and now not so busy schedules for a lot of people um, can help them see that what could I do to fill up my soul? But a lot of people, because they're not part of community, that's the reason that they have full bank accounts and busy schedules but empty souls, because they are disconnected from the body, which is the place of joy and love and God's goodness. See, Christian community is the primary place to experience the love and the joy and the goodness of God as a Christian. Without really being connected, your life is limited. It will be limited. And all the distractions you can build into your life and all the involvements and in, in all the other stuff that's offered in our culture will never bring the blessing that God offers you and I through Christian community. So that's the main, that's, a, that's a, the first reason we want to look at why Christian community is so essential for being blessed. What's the next thing? 
Um, the second thing is this, and I think this is so important for us to get our heads around today about Christian community, that in our increasingly secular um, society, with increasing secularization, it makes it more necessary than ever to be part of Christian community. That's what I mean. Um, how many of you, as a follower of Jesus, is feeling more and more out of pace with our culture? Feeling like you, maybe you just don't fit in that much anymore. You know, who is feeling more and more like a salmon swimming upstream? I know I am. Our culture is becoming even more and more secularized than it was just a few years ago. For many people, there's just no room anymore in their life for God. And those who serve Jesus freely and openly increasingly stand out as different and face opposition. And this, that reason, because you stand out and you may face opposition, that is why the need to be engaged in Christian community is more important now than any time in the, in the recent past. Christian community gives you a place to exhale, a place to let your guard down, a place to relax. Friends, this, Portview Church, our gathering as Portview Church online, this is a place and a time to get recharged and restored and relaxed. I don't know if I can use that word that way, but relaxed. Portview Church and connect, and, and connect groups and transformation classes and just hanging out with your Christian brothers and sisters are opportunities to enjoy God's goodness, to rest in His grace as you just belong with a people who get it the way you get it. That see that, this is, that Jesus is the answer. And friends, I believe this. That's why the devil tries so hard to cause division in churches. Because he knows the goodness of community. But that is also why, as a church, we work so hard to establish a culture of unity and peace and protection. You see, Portview is a place of peace in Jesus. So that you can get your batteries recharged so that you will shine brightly in this ever-increasing secular society. That makes sense? Now that point brings us to the next reason why Christian community is so important. And it's this. Although the goal of Christian community is joy and blessing and belonging, like we just said, although that's the goal, still we are broken, imperfect people. And if every one of us went and looked in the mirror right now, what you'd look at is a less than perfect, broken person who has some degree of baggage. And our brokenness, as we relate together, does cause conflict and friction. It will. You take two broken people in any level of brokenness, you bring them together, you say, get along and you will have a level of conflict and friction. You say, well, yeah, that's why I don't like community. And I would say, no, that's exactly why you need community. Because this, friends, you need to understand, friction is essential for growth. Here's one of the most important things that our the individualistic culture is robbing from us. It's this, growth that comes through long-term friction of relationship, that you only grow spiritually if you engage long term with other people and you love them and you care for them and you tolerate them and they tolerate you and you rub on each other. You call it this friction of relationship. In that relationship is where growth develops. And in a highly individualistic culture, people feel free to just come and go as they please in any and all relationships. Just think about it. What's going on around us? If marriage is a struggle, leave. If work is a challenge, quit. If family is difficult, avoid. If church has struggles, go to the church down the street. If my friends annoy or offend, offend me, unfollow. And that's just the reality of our culture. And one of the big negative results of a highly individualistic culture is that people flee the difficulty in relationship and then miss 
the growth opportunity that God intends for them through the struggle. If you never struggle through a difficult relationship, you will never grow and mature, and you will never really learn to love. See, love is, yes, there's an emotion, a feeling behind it, but love is something you grow in. Love is something you learn how to do. That's why after 31 years of marriage, I'm better at loving my wife than I was 31 years ago. I've learned she's better with me. I've, we're learning through the friction of relationship how to love each other. Learning to love grows as you love difficult people and understand sometimes you're the difficult person. Somebody else needs to love. And if you build your lives around simply feeling happy all the time, you'll avoid difficult situations, you'll avoid difficult people, and as a result, you will not grow in love. Now, I want you to think about something with me, and honestly, think about this. What would be the most wonderful situation that any person could conceive of for their life? Think about that for a situation. What is the most wonderful, joy-filled, fulfilling, happy situation that you could conceive of in your entire life? I contend it's this. I think it's the same for everybody. And it's not possible this side of heaven, but we can grow more into it. It is to feel, feel the love toward everyone all the time. If you could say what will be the perfect height of of goodness in life is that if every day I walked around and I actually loved every other person I engaged, I, I didn't have to fake it. I actually loved them. I really loved them from my heart. See, friends, that's how God is. Scripture is very clear. It says God is love. And that's how God is. So think about this. If you avoid what will really develop love in you, which is the friction of loving relationship, because that can still be a challenge, the friction of relationship, you, you avoid learning how to live with challenge, then you will never develop the most important quality in your life, which is how to love. And you will never begin to move towards the greatest experiences that God has for you in life, which is actually experiencing how to love and to be loved. So friends, don't let our selfish, secular society rob us, rob you of growing in love through the friction of relationship. See, Portview is designed to be a place of growth. That's why we could put another sign out front. It could say this. No perfect people allowed. Because guess what? We're not perfect. But God intended it that way so that we're together and we are committed to each other. There's a friction that happens. We learn how to love. And as we learn how to love, we experience the greatest thing we could ever experience in life, feeling love towards other people, being a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more like God. Now, one final reason why community is so important, and it's this. It's where Christian values are taught and caught and reinforced. Where Christian values are taught and caught, and most things are better caught than taught, and reinforced. When we gather, we keep telling the story. See, of everything we do, we basically keep telling the story. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. If you want a story that's going to carry you through this pandemic, that's the story. It's the same story the church has been saying for 2,000 years. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The roots of our, of our hope are, are, are set in the future, the promise of, of wonder and, and glory and security. That's a new heaven and new earth. That's secure. That message and the, and the branches come back into our life that Christ has died, Christ has risen. We have power in Christ and we're moving towards a secure future. That's the message that the church keeps saying, has been saying for 2,000 years ago. And our culture is trying to, to rob us of the story. But here, we sing it, we teach it, we live it, we reinforce it, so that you know it, and your kids learn it, and your grandkids catch it. 
So it's infectious. They learn it becomes part of them as they interact with other people in the family of God. Friends, this happens best in relationships. Kids learn about Christian love by coming to church full of love every week, week after week, year after year. That's how you grow into it. That's what you get in Christian community. We reinforce the values of God. And don't let the lies of our culture rob you from being shaped by Christian community. So God gives us the gift of bringing us together so that we keep just telling the story. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We say it in all different ways, but that's really what we're saying all the time. It is the foundation of who we are in Christ. So the community is the place nowhere else on the planet is there a place that you can come and every time you come in the door, you're going to keep hearing the same thing. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We'll say it in some form over and over, week after week, month after month, year after year, so that it just becomes part of our DNA. That's why God has created the church, so that we are a place where Christian values are taught and caught and reinforced. So, church, we have a gift from God, a wonderful, healthy, living, loving, happy Christian community. And it's looking a little different right now different we're going to come back together again very soon and we're still a body even though we're now we're sitting in different locations we're still the family of god and we need to love each other and stay connected to each other and help each other because we can do it in groups of 10 that's what they're allowing us to do in this pandemic we can still get together we can still love one another and let's not take this for granted here is my hope during the time we have right now there's an old saying Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And my hope is that during this time of forced absence, what's going to happen is something's going to well up inside of every single one of us that says, man, I want to be with my church family. Man, Sunday morning, instead of, oh, Sunday morning, maybe we should go to the lake. Sunday morning, we should do this. That forced absence will say there's nothing I missed more during this time that no one planned than being together with my Christian brothers and sisters and worshiping and celebrating and reinforcing the message, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And let's not, let's not take it for granted. Let's not avoid it when we have opportunity to join together in small groups and then in a while back all together as a church family. Now, as we end our time together today, we are going to celebrate our Christian community as we close by partaking in what binds us all together, the love of Jesus, salvation in his name. And and that's what we do when we take communion together. Communion is designed to be taken in community. The first time Jesus taught it, he had his disciples around a table, and it was a communal event. And it's always has been ever since. It's a communal event. It binds us together. It says, this is what's most important. No matter what else else is going on, we celebrate the reality of Christ by partaking in communion. So I hope what you've done is you've gathered some bread and some juice, and we're going to celebrate communion. So I'm going to read for us the section of Scripture that we look to many, many, many of our weeks. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Look what he says here. Verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That's really the message. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. 
He died, and he's coming back. And that's what communion is all about. And, and so if you have your elements with you, I want you to take them in your hands. I'm not sure how you have it in front of you. If you have individual cups, maybe you have a common cup that you're going to pass with your family. But I want you to take the bread. For me, I've got one of these little cups that I'm supposed to be able to open and get the bread out. Maybe I can. Probably need my wife with uh, fingernails to do this. I will switch with you. Hey, there's social distancing, but I'm not social distancing from her. We hope we have the, the bread. Jesus sat with his disciples. The very last thing he did before he was arrested, he got them together they shared a meal. And he held the bread in his hand and he said, this is my body. He was saying there's, that there's going to be a time when he's going to go away and the thing that's going to unify us together is the fact that we all trust in the same Savior, in Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for our sins. Jesus is the one. He is God himself that came into this world for you and me. And friends, for 2,000 years, Christian people have been taking a piece of bread and, and holding it up and thinking of the fact that, that Jesus is the answer. And we're in a time of, of, of uh, uncertainty right now. But this is certain. For 2,000 years, people have held this and said, had said, Christ is alive and real seated at the right hand of the Father. And when I celebrate communion, I'm remembering that He is alive and He's coming back again. So that no matter what happens with pandemics or anything else, with economies that go up and economies that go down, Jesus is Lord. So right now, Lord, we thank You. We thank You that You are not distant. You are right here, right we pray, God, that, Lord, you would hold us in your hands during these days, that you would guide us, you would give us wisdom, you'd fill our hearts with security and courage, and that you'd give us love for the people around us. May this be a time for us to shine like you shine, shine through us, Lord Jesus. And we welcome you all of your power and all of your grace and all of your strength to come in your fullness by your spirit into our lives fresh and anew as we partake of the bread together. Let's partake. And after the meal, Jesus took the cup. He said it was symbolic. It was his blood. Friends, through Scripture, we see over and over and over that, that, the, that blood is tied to power. That blood is tied to forgiveness. And here's what I hope happens during these days. That we'd be really honest with ourselves and serious about our relationship with God. We're doing the Lenten season right now, which is about the seriousness of salvation. And we're in a really time of, of uncertainty right now. It's the seriousness of life. And that we would recognize that we don't want anything between us and God. We want to deal with anything, any garbage, any junk, any straying. And we want to say, God, I want to be lockstep with you. I need your strength and your power. Maybe there's other things going on in your life beyond just your walk with God, but there's things going on in your life. There's There's sickness. There's confusion. There's fear. The answer to all of those things is Jesus. And the blood talks about power. It symbolizes power. His power over circumstances. His power to see us through. His power to care for us in, the, in whatever situation. Whatever you're dealing with right now. Whatever. Maybe it's, maybe it's some uncertainty. Maybe it is fear. Maybe it's illness. Whatever it might be. We're going to invite Jesus. The only one who really ha is the answer into those circumstances. We invite him into the circumstances. So Jesus, we thank you. 
that you've never left us alone. And you've never left us to fend for ourselves. But you told us to look to you, to remember you, who you are, what you've done, and what you continue to do. And so right now, we invite you into our lives, into our world circumstance. We invite you into this pandemic. We pray, God, um, stop this thing in its tracks. Help America not to be like other countries. Help this thing to be stopped. Bring in, uh, bring in vaccines. Give wisdom. Give cures so that this coronavirus epidemic could be stopped in its tracks and that we could give you all the glory. So now we invite you in your strength and your power into our every situation for you to do what only you can do. Let's partake of the cup together. Now, Lord, we thank you that you are here and you are with us. And Lord, we ask in these coming days that you'd guide our steps, you'd guide our government, you'd give our leaders wisdom, and that Lord, as we walk through these circumstances, that we would shine your love and your security and your strength and your wisdom in all that we do. Lord, we trust you. And I pray, God, have your real arms of love and comfort around our Brookview family. Bless and care and provide for everyone every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Brookview family. We will continue to be connected through these weekly meetings through other things. Suzanne and I are kicking around some ideas on how we could, because we don't have Wednesday nights, we could do some little teachings we put out um, kind of online with our Wednesday night class that we could share with everybody. And so we're going to continue to stay connected just in a little different way. And pretty soon we're all going to be back together. Um, and we're going to celebrate Christian community. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody in your house a hug. You're allowed to do that in your house. And uh, let's, let's trust in the Lord. Walk with him. Um, through this situation. We love you. We miss you. And we're going to be together again soon.